happy launch day listeners. Welcome to our first official episode of Living in the Moment, a TLS podcast all about sharing why we love what we do as we live TLS every day. I am your host, Alicia, and I will be joining you each week as we jump into all kinds of conversations from who we are and how we do what we do successfully, our customer service secrets, what it means for us to live in every moment and everywhere in between. Today is an extra special launch day as it kicks off customer service week. And what better way to start this week than to learn about TLS's origin and history. With today's episode, I am honored to host our TLS president and CEO, Lori Dietz, and TLS's founder, Beth Shearer Adams. This is the first installment of our Path to Caribou Culture series. And in this conversation, we talk about the meaning and intention behind TLS. And I'm so excited for you to hear this. It's truly fascinating to hear these stories and reflections and think about how TLS has evolved over the last 25 years while staying true to its foundations and fundamentals. Now enough of me, it's time to start living in the moment. Well. I will kick us off and say thank you very much for joining us and um, making some time out of your very, very busy schedules, as I imagine. Um, it's definitely an honor and a pleasure to host you for our very first episode. So thank you. And I'll pause for our listeners to give you a round of applause. Um, <laughs> I just want to start off, I guess, with um, a little bit of an introduction. So. Lori, I'll start with you. Our listeners would know you well. Give us a little bit of an idea of your background and um, your journey to where you're Sure. Um, sure. So my name is Lori Dietz. I've been with TLS since 2001. I grew up um, in a little town just outside of London um, and went to the University of Western Ontario. Um, and post-grad, I ended up with Good Life Fitness. And fitness has always been a very big part of my life. And seemed very natural to look for a job at somewhere you love to be. Um, so I joined um, Good Life and I was there for a solid three years after university and worked my way up from customer service through sales, through um, corporate sales. And it was a very great learning experience. And I actually met the then president of TLS. He was personal training at the time. And he was looking for an operations manager at that time. So we very quickly um, had a number of interviews and I ended up with TLS in an operations management role. And, you know, that was back in 2001. And it was a very different um, business back then, very much centered around a couple of core clients, College Pro and Serta Pro. And we were just sort of dabbling with the idea of doing, we were doing quality surveys. So those were really the, the founding brands. And we had a couple of other small partners that we were working with on some outbound projects. But aside from that, that was TLS back in 2001. That's awesome. That's, that's a cool, um, I guess, order of events and how it's very fate-based almost and in, in how that story comes um, for you to yeah. join us. Yeah, I do so feel like it was meant to be. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, and Beth, we may not know you as well, but you're a very, very integral part to TLS's history. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, <laughs> we don't have enough time. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, 
uh, out of university, when I was in university, I, I ran a college pro franchise um, and it was window cleaning and it was new. Uh, so it was, it, and we changed the name to Action Window Cleaners. So I started with Action Window Cleaners and uh, actually owned it with a couple of partners. So that was, that was really my first gig out of university. Um, and we sold Action to College Pro in 1993. And when I was transitioning out of that business, um, I got a call from the president of College Pro saying that they had basically been fired by their telemarketing company because telemarketing was big in the mid 90s. And did I, was I doing anything? I was going to take off to Europe for a few months and just bum around with a backpack. And did I needed something to do when I came home. So that's how TLS, I mean, there's a lot to how TLS started, but um, I founded it in 1996 and operated it for four years, but London's not my home and it's not where my heart is. So uh, Toronto is where I um, have always lived. So I needed to come home. Um, and if I could have brought the business with me, I would have done that, but I couldn't. So I had to leave it behind and uh, ended up with first service brands in the leadership development program. So I am part of the first service brands team on people development, which also has sort of uh, expanded into brand experience and leading strategic change. So that's how I spend my time these days. Very cool. And it's nice to still have you in the family. <laughs> can't get rid of me like absolutely <laughs> we wouldn't want to get rid of you <laughs> so you kind of touched on it there of where um the idea of tls came from is from college pro effectively being fired from their telemarketing um but uh, expand a little bit more and talk to us about where that idea came from um, and the need for telemarketing especially in the 90s sure so college pro has always, as a student company, has always um, relied on spring marketing and cold calling. And, um, you know, it was a new idea at the time to do some spring telemarketing and help new students supplement their lead flow with, um, with telemarketing. So um, they had done it for a couple of years. And um, as I say, that the comp- it was really complicated. There are all these different, you know, like, hundreds of franchisees in North America who each only wanted one or two leads a week. It was really complex. And the company that had been doing it sort of said, yeah, really complicated, kind of a pain in the neck. And we're not, we can't make money doing that. So, um, so it was the short-term thing. And honestly, it was, okay, can you come to London for eight months, do this gig so I got a short-term apartment lease right? and I got a short-term office lease and it was, can you just come here? And my only two goals were um, don't lose money um, and stay for eight months. Like don't be, don't, you know, just be prepared to stay for eight months, but don't lose money because we don't have any money to actually do this. So I had to run it on a zero <laughs> uh, bottom line. <laughs> Yeah. So it was, it was interesting. And I was the world's worst cold caller when I ran a college pro franchise. So it was actually kind of funny that I was picked, but um, so that's, that's really, so we, we uh, rented phones and bought some desks and tables and, and it was really, really um, uh, analog. (laughs) There's a lot of paper and pens and, and picking up a phone, there were no headsets. It was really, really, really done. Um, and, and it was successful. So we went from stay for eight months and don't lose money to, oh, you made money and we actually have a business here that we can 
build on. And that's wow. how it started. Yeah. And speaking to it was successful. I look at us now and we've got upwards of 80 to 90 moment makers and we're running a, a very successful hybrid model, but where, what were the numbers when it started? Like how many people were picking up a phone and writing question. in a notepad? <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, so it was actually quite funny. We were in the main floor of an old London house that had been a, an insurance company uh, prior to that. So it was like a little rabbit war and there were all these little rooms in the, the main floor of this house. So there were six people in one room and eight people in another and three people in another. And I think, you know, there was probably a closet that we converted. Um, <laughs> and, and we just had bits and pieces of people. And then um, if you got a lead, you'd like throw something in the air and wave around and then somebody would come to confirm that the lead was good. Um, so it was, it was probably, I don't know, 25 people, maybe 30. Like it was, I don't, I honestly don't remember, but it was bits and pieces here and there. And there were different shifts. So. And, uh, and Lori can attest to this as well. It's kind of like a really cool parallel to think along the journey that to go from waving your hand in the air of, of verify this lead, we still have those moments of wave your hand in the air and let's celebrate what I just accomplished or this moment mm -hmm. that I just made. So that's absolutely um, that's really cool. You know what's funny, Alicia, is when when I started at TLS in 2001, we had two locations, actually one just up the street here, and I was fascinated that we had we, we were doing telemarketing for College Pro. It was still very much an important part of our business. And uh, Stephanie, who is our vice president of brand delivery, she at that time was not only our IT person, but she was also she also oversaw the telemarketing. And I remember going down to see her in her office space, and she had a big computer on her desk and all these people working out in on the floor and there was all the paper and pens and phone books still very very manual back then and she would recruit really bring your friend to work night like it was really there was really no rhyme or reason it was if your friend needed a job bring them to bring them to work because it was we were never um we never had enough resource to be able to get through all of the lists in the time we needed to, to be able to generate the leads we needed to. So it was definitely a significant part of our business back from back in 2001. And I think probably it wasn't until 2010, like late, late 2000s, where we really, it started to really come down, like in terms of volumes and, and the need, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at the time it was primarily outbound. Oh, telemarketing was all outbound. Um, but we, but, but, but TLS still had the inbound. I'll, I'll let Beth talk about the whole inbound uh, evolution and then I can pick up from, you know. Well, it was, it was really just, um, it was one college pro at the time was, was geographic divisions in Canada and the U S were run separately and, and each division like provincial division in Canada had their own people answering phones and the Ontario division said, yeah, we don't really want to do that anymore. You can have it. So I had one employee in this house. So when the telemarketing went away for the season, two of us moved upstairs and we had one person answering phones through the winter and me <laughs> and a bunch of binders. And that's how inbound got started. And then it was just sort of like, it was, 
it was one less thing for each college pro division to have to worry about is trying to also hire and run a call center. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it just, in, in, you know, telemarketing, it just allowed us to have like one or two people over the winter. That's all it actually took, but we kept the phone lines going and it helped us with our leases and, um, and that's how we sort of developed our first inbound person, Bernice, by the way, her name was Bernice. Yes. And I, I recall recipe cards were part of the equation. Was that not the case, Beth? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, when our we had we had we had um, software that was built by me um, and that that should be a red flag. Um, <laughs> but it was it was off the shelf software that I actually designed. It was called Q&A and it was a semantic product, which is like really going back into the 90s. And you could sort of figure it out yourself so you could build a database. And when when it stopped working one day, we had to go to three by five index cards and little recipe boxes. And then each college pro franchisee had a section and that's how you wrote down a lead and then checked it off like it was it was something. <laughs> but I had always run the action window cleaners inbound uh, as part of my role with when I owned that company, I did a bunch of different things and I was a general manager and I did all the previous customer work with action window cleaners and all the training for franchisees. And I, I ran the inbound call center. So I had some experience with manually taking calls and not being able to put them in a, in a database. So it was interesting. You, you, had to know, you had to know how to solve problems quickly. No kidding, right? And that's always been, I think, part of our DNA, um, right from day one, right? The the innovation has always been a very strong pillar and problem solving, just scrappiness, being able to be nimble and figure things out and just make it work. And that was really the underpinnings of of C power, you know, being able to do it all manually and then build automation around what processes worked and really rapid prototyping until we got to a place where there was a sustainable CRM platform that we could start to remove some of those manual elements. And that's always been part of our, our story right from day one. Oh yeah. Still is today. Very, very relevant. It was, it was required because we didn't have any budget. Like we never had a, a real proper budget to do anything interesting. So it was okay. Like how do we just, how, and how do we treat the customer well? So we, we had to figure out how to make it look like we had this amazing space (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so the customer would like, I'm, I, I'm, I can't even imagine what customers would have said if they had seen the, the, the collection of things that we use to keep the business going. Agreed. But, but it was, <laughs> it's a phenomenal learning experience because you learn how things really work at their core mm-hmm. so that you can build on a, on a foundation. You don't sort of come in in the middle and you don't understand how the, you know, how the foundation of it actually works, like how a call comes in and what happens to it and what the, what the lead flow is and what happens to it on the way out and what happens if something in there stops it from moving. I mean, you, you really have to understand how all that works. So, yeah. And truth can be told now when we work with our brand partners on defining their customer journey or their employee journey, it's all about really laying it out step by step so that you truly understand 
how to delight and make them customer centric and then build your technology around it. So those principles are still very much vital in terms of our success. And it's really cool too, because a big part of this conversation is to give that foundational element and that background to really understand who we are, where we came from and, and how far we've come. Um, and so it's it, it, that what you just said, Beth, reminds me of um, as we prepare for our new phone system that we're cutting over to and the different the different meetings that we've had in preparation. There's there's been several just around call flow and understanding that entire journey of when a customer calls this one phone number, where does it all end up and seeing all of the different um, paths that it can diverge from. So that's. That's really cool that it's it's all these different parallels and how you can apply it in these different situations. So it's cool to to see um, all of the development that's happened from the very, very beginning of analog and six people in potentially a closet <laughs> <laughs> to see where we are now. And uh, the other thing that stood out to me was when you'd said it was one last thing for College Pro to worry about or for them to have to do, that I think also speaks to where we are today. Because I keep I keep listening to everything and, and thinking about how we are here now and how we're still so close to everything that you're speaking to. And even today, our biggest purpose is just make it easier. And it's one less thing for our brands to worry about because we can help them deliver their brand promise. And I think that's really amazing. It is. Well, it, it, it's funny that the, the transition to inbound may have sounded easier than it actually was. Like the, the first division put up their hand and said, we want to do this because that's a complication. Like I have to find people and we only have two or three people ever working at the same time. And if somebody's sick, then we're really in trouble. And if somebody quits, it's, you know, it's just, it's hard to maintain and you don't have any backup when you only have right. two or three, but the resistance to handing over the keys <laughs> to the phones um, was phenomenal. And I had, and I hadn't, considered how hard it would be because it just seemed like for me a no-brainer because mm -hmm. you you know you if you have more people working in one place you've got some room if somebody doesn't show up if you have one or two you're you're sort of dead in the water so it was really you know people were saying nope this is Vancouver and you have no idea what answering phones in Vancouver is like and I was like mm -hmm. really so it was it was really interesting how um how protective uh, the businesses were about this and it was a misunderstanding of what like what we were doing was actually have, offering higher protection for the customer because there were all of these you know systems that allowed us to back back each other up mm -hmm. um but it wasn't looked at like that it was like nobody can Nobody can do what I can do for my customers. Um, we know how to do this in Winnipeg or Calgary or Vancouver, because at the time it was just Canada. And it was, it was just really interesting that, that um, getting over that barrier was really, really hard. And knowing the, the way that we did it was knowing how it worked. Like how does, right. how do, how does it really, really work? And what are the fundamental principles of, of, delighting a customer over the phone. 
right. and managing the relationship between the person who's actually going to be on site delivering and the people who are just, you know, starting the journey at the front end. Um, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a delicate balance and it's really, really tricky, but when you have specialists and experts who get really, really good at that because they do it so often, it's much better than hiring somebody and having them quit and trying to hire them again. Like it was, it was, that, it took some convincing. I got a lot of angry faxes because it was all fax. There was no email yet. Right. So it was, <laughs> if it's possible to get angry faxes, I got angry faxes, but they, it was hard. It was hard. And it still is. I think people still have um, an impression that, um, that they can't let go of this, that, mm-hmm. that, that, it has to stay in house and, and in the delegation skill, one of the sort of fundamental rules is you delegate the routine and keep the unpredictable. And a lot of these things are routine and you just have to get really good at replicating the routine. Um, And it's, this is a good thing to delegate. And then there are other things that you and only you can do and you shouldn't delegate those. Um, So, yeah, it was, it was a very, very long, hard transition where we learned a ton about how, how to deliver and how to keep the relationship between the person on site and the customer really strong and better than it would have been if they'd had to call and get voicemail a lot <laughs> or not even yeah. voicemail at the time, answering machines. It is so true, Beth. It is still as relevant today as it was back then. Yeah. And, um, you know, it is a, a hurdle for, for, you know, many brands to get past and a lot of, um, independent owners or independent, independent franchise owners still want to answer their own phones and do it their own way because they they feel their regions are so different. And I think the opportunity is to really understand the strength of the brand when you can be consistent in the delivery of it. Not only is there better cost savings and better technology and better experience for all stakeholders all around when you can centralize certain things, but it allows our franchise owners to really focus on what they do best and that's delivering these incredible services that they deliver and not worrying about these um like the first contact or centralized contact in any way shape or form and and the technology just gets better and better and i know speaking for what who we are now as a brand with genuine care being our why because we know that people can treat people better we that's all that we're focused on is customer centricity and delighting customers at the point of contact and that is all we do every day on every single interaction we just want to delight our customers and delight each other and really just create those wow moments you know and i think that that's really the big opportunity here if we can continue to move it forward i'm just like i'm sitting here in awe <laughs> I'm just a little bit speechless. Wow. Um, kind of like a sponge just soaking this up. So, I mean, one of the things that I did want to ask, well, it's kind of a cheesy question, but why Telelink Services? Why the name? <laughs> it's um, it's a completely ridiculous story. Um, there was, uh, so this idea was being hatched that we needed a, a telemarketing College Pro needed a telemarketing answer. And at the same time, they were having um, a leader meeting. And in the leader meeting, they were just doing this fun team building exercise. I wasn't there. Um, I was somewhere in Europe. Um, but they were doing this team building thing where they that you you ended up being a certain animal. Like you're an eagle or you're a lion or you're this or that. And the person who was running... T- uh, college pro at the time 
uh, ended up being a lynx. Um, and so as the conversation went on, I don't know if there were beers involved or not, but um, <laughs> as the conversation and kept going in that and the flow of that meeting over time, they went, oh, telemarketing and you're the lynx. So we'll call it telelinks, like L-Y-N-X for the animal, which turned into lynx. And it was sort of, the, so it was sort of a, a silly thing that ended up being telelinks because it kind of like we were linking through the telephone, the customer and the franchisee. And so it kind of worked on two levels, but it really did start kind of in a silly place. <laughs> but that's the truth. But it's even but it's even still meaningful. Like there's still it, it might be a funny story or a silly story, but it's still there's the meaning behind it. It's still about the leadership and the connection and and mm -hmm. 20 Five years later, it's still about connecting voices. And that's mm -hmm. the biggest point. Yeah. Um, so it's fair to say that the biggest thing that sets TLS apart is its customer centricity and the focus on that customer experience, that customer relationship um, through all levels of their journey. So I guess um, why... I guess the question is why was that the biggest importance so we identified a need of we just really need a telemarketing business and we need someone to be answering the phones but then there's this added bonus of this is what's so incredibly important to us is setting us apart because of the customer's experience so why was that the biggest prominent as opposed to just like getting get out with calls mm. which might be a basic contact center well i'll, I'll start from the beginning part, because because Lori will probably have a lot more on the <clears throat> pardon me the customer experience part, but we didn't actually that actually wasn't the most important thing at the beginning. Like getting leads for for franchisees was the most important thing. I'll be honest, like it was it was strictly a numbers game. We needed to to get a lot of business, um, and we wanted to treat people well, for sure. Um, London at the time had a lot of sort of the old style sweatshop call centers. So the, the most important thing for me actually was our people. That's actually, that was my driving force is I never wanted to, to operate a business um, that treated people the way call centers were treating people um, and customers. So, you know, all of these things, like you have to get them, you have to get the customer to say no three times before you let them hang up. You have to keep at them. You have to push them. You have to, you know, all of that stuff that was happening in other call centers, I wanted nothing to do with. And it, it was probably just my, it was a little bit being naive because I didn't know. I came in without any call center experience, but that's not what I wanted. I didn't want that because I knew it made people feel terrible and I knew it was bad for customers. But the real focus was, uh, was the people. Like we had... I had people who would come in to work for three or four or five months to do their college pro gig. And then they'd have to leave because they didn't have any work and they'd go and work at another call center that they didn't like, but made more money through the months. And then as soon as we were turning back on, they knew to give me a call and say, when are you starting? And then they'd come back. They'd leave their higher paying, you know, their extra dollar an hour um, in, sort of lousy conditions to come back knowing that they only had a few months of work. And that to me was probably the best part of what I created and what 
I helped create was, was the, the people centricity. So it wasn't as much about the customer at the time. Um, it consciously, it was mm-hmm. much more, I wanted to build something where people were treated properly. And I didn't really differentiate between customer and employee, but it was really, my focus was on, on the people. And I had been to a, an IFA, which is the International Franchise Association Conference in my very first year of doing TLS and, <clears throat> and listened to somebody from one of the made franchises. And I don't remember which one, but she was talking about her purpose being to give women in particular opportunities to be proud of what they do when they go to work in a, and with a group of women who often don't get that opportunity, they're sort of treated like, you know, not as important as other people Um, and sort of made services are sort of the invisible thing. And I thought, you know, I, we, I see a lot of those people who come to TLS for work um, because of the, the work we were doing. And, and I needed, I, I remember being in tears at the IFA, listening to her going, I want to do what she does. And so that was my inspiration to just treat people really well. And, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, that the customer service part I had done for so long with action that it was a given, but it was really, I wanted people who came to work with me to feel as important as the customer they were talking to on the other end of the phone. And that was really the, so that's, so it wasn't customer centric when I started, it was employee centric. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, that was the most meaningful thing for me because I knew if I treated them well, they would be more likely to treat our customers well. And that is very much where we are still today, Beth, that we've really built out our culture and it really does come down to focusing on setting the example of delivering a great experience for our people so that they in turn know what's expected when we're serving our customers. And it is really important because how you make people feel like customer service is what we do. Customer experience is how we do it. Right. And it's so important on the, on the, how we do it. Absolutely. That's it's, it's definitely very cool to think about that um, domino effect of you treat this person well, who's right in front of you, who you are developing and in turn, they will treat other people well. And it's just this contagious thing that catches on. Um, and then in turn, you have your customer experience and that customer can sense when they're talking to someone and they're, and they're, and they're having that enjoyable experience and we're creating that joy making behavior. And, um, and that's really what the purpose is. So that's very cool that that's where it started. And it wasn't uh, that transactional, by the way, it wasn't like if I treat them well, then they'll treat customers well. That's that, that's the natural, like when you're treated with respect, mm-hmm. you're more likely to to, to know what that feels like. So you can do that for others, but really it's, I know this is cheesy, but it's the right thing to do. Like I, I don't, I mean, it's just, you, you treat customers well because it's the right thing to do. Like, yes. It gets you more business, but if, if that's why you're doing it, then you're not really doing it. Um, <clears throat> and if you treat your employees well um, for the right reasons, because it's the, everybody deserves to be treated with dignity and respect and humanity and, and, so you just do, and it, and it, they're not, you know, telemarketers at the time. Um, I was never mean to a telemarketer who called my house after I started a telemarketing oh. business because yeah. you realize what kind of terrible conditions that they work in and how they're 
you know, some of them are awful, but some of them are amazing people who are just put in these situations. And I, mm-hmm. and, and so that's it, it, just, nobody deserves that. So that's why you yeah. do it. If it, if it, it, it does help you get better service for customers a hundred percent. So that's the business reason to do it, but there's a human reason to do it too. And I think that that's been one of the hallmarks of TLS all the way along. Absolutely. Like, and I haven't been there for a really long time. I take no credit for any of this, right? It was, but it's just, it got baked in early and it's really awesome to see that it's continued. But you also think about um, even from 1996 to today, what I hear you say is the exact concept of our integrity pillar and it's do the right thing. And we still live by that today. So it's the fact that it's had this whole journey over 25 years and a couple of different leadership um, year overs, if you will. Um, and it's still stuck to this yeah. day, the foundational element. So that's, um, that's very cool to see. And I wanted to ask as well, Lori, in your fateful moment of meeting the president at the time, just at, at Good Life and doing the training and, and how that then inspired where you are now, why TLS at the time? What what really sold you on it? Well, I had grown through, like, in the three years that I was with Good Life, I certainly learned a tremendous amount of leadership skill. I learned how to uh, manage and deliver performance through others. Um, you know, leadership skill is is a never-ending journey, and there's always opportunities to improve and grow and learn. And um, I helped develop their corporate sales team. I was one of the um, individuals selected to help put that together and learn how to put group sales together and put wellness programs into organizations. And I got a taste of working with organizations who were really focused on on the experiences of their employees and making sure that their their people were healthy. And um, once I had gotten some experience in that element, I really wanted to work with an organization where I could develop my operational background further and work with a team that, and an organization that was growing and really learning how to delight customers and, and serve customers. And, um, you know, when, when I met David and we had our first meeting and he talked about the companies that um, TLS was working with and the, and the runway that we had, it was just such an exciting opportunity. And I knew just meeting the people and, and seeing how we functioned as an organization, it was the right fit. And it's, it has changed so much since, you know, when I started in, in 2001 <laughs> to where we are today. It's not even, it's crazy the differences that, that we've made. You know, we went from being an organization focused on our people and our, the success of our franchise owners to, and, and like Beth said, we weren't necessarily conscious of delivering a great experience to the customer, but we were very focused on delivering a great experience because we wanted to feel good about the work we did and to feel good about what you're doing. It means you're doing the right thing and and treating people with, with care and respect and trying to meet their needs. And I think that, you know, our desire to serve the franchise owner and see the brand successful had us delivering all kinds of different services to really help them grow their businesses. Um, and we were doing, you know, a lot of different outbound programs to get customers booked and on schedules and really help our franchisees grow and be successful. And, and as time went on, we, we really started to integrate that promoter system. And that was in the mid 2000s and started to deliver 
loyalty surveys and talking to customers, understanding what their experience was like. And as we gained more traction and, and experience with Net Promoter System, we started to understand in the late 2000s that customers are sharing valuable feedback and insights that our brands would really benefit from to really start to look at the customer's experience and that if they could unlock these key themes and really listen to what the customers are saying, that it would really provide growth opportunity and differentiate themselves in their market. And we were starting to also feel as you know, got into the late 2000s, that telemarketing was becoming a bit of a grind and customers were not tolerant. We were not getting the, the success that was experienced in prior years and it was becoming very expensive to deliver. It wasn't necessarily about the customer experience at that time because our brands really needed the leads on the calendars for these students running um, turfs in, Fran in cottage territories and cottage country. So we still had to perform that service for the brand, but we started to really become acutely aware that it wasn't a great experience, not for our people and not for the customers we were calling. And it wasn't really cost effective either. So, you know, we ended up transitioning um, telemarketing out of our business because it just wasn't a fit any longer. And it was just a natural evolution to really starting to focus more on customer centricity versus just operational services. So and, and Beth knows this language very well because Beth has, I've always circled Beth back into our business when we were looking at strategic changes and really shifting TLS from what would be traditionally known as a call center, where we would just deliver services that our brands would ask for, to a, a business that would be very purposeful in understanding, okay, is this service really going to delight the customer or is it simply fulfilling an operational need that could like with unintended consequence hurt the customer and it was a really organic natural transition to a brand experience center and as a brand started to focus more on the customer journey we were just a slightly ahead in terms of trying to guide the conversation on certain operational processes to really focus on the customer beth would you agree yeah, we we spent a lot of time having those conversations in those strategic meetings about what if 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 we do this service, how will the customer feel about that? Like if we, you know, and it still comes down to like if you survey them too much, are they mm -hmm. gonna start getting annoyed? Like are you putting a burden on them? Or are you gonna actually are you making something easy for for them? And do you think you're making it easy, but it's actually burden? Um, mm -hmm. Are we asking for too much without giving enough? You know, there are all of these sort of types of questions that really were interesting to to consider. Like, what happens if we do this rather than just push, 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 push? Like, how do we have an interaction where whether even if the person doesn't buy, they go, "Wow, that's a great company." Yeah, those Certa Pro people are fab. I felt I got off the phone and felt great. Like, wouldn't yeah. that be an amazing outcome for a, for any call, right? Yeah. Whether it's a complaint call or a lead call or an inbound call or an outbound call, they hang up and they go, "What a great company!" I, I that was a delightful person I spoke to, right? And he, and and remember, we we talked about that and yeah. and and what are the things that we do and don't do that delight that person. And sometimes when we make a business operational decision to do something, it actually ends up not delighting anybody. So yeah. what do you do then? So it became much more um, 
integral to the foundation. Like we need, it, it was really connective tissue that, that, and so it was, it's, and they were fascinating conversations, right? Like it was they really were. interesting. Yeah. I, I think that one of the defining moments that still stands out for me was promoter taker or order taker to promoter maker. Yeah. And we got really talking a lot about just, we want customers to leave an interaction with us and feel like their needs were met or that they were heard, even if we couldn't meet that need specifically, but they were heard and they felt like there was going to be an actionable next step. And it was synchronistic at the time. I went to a lunch and learn um, and the speaker was talking about being a day maker. And he was referring to a gentleman who wrote a book and it was called the day maker. I just had it in front of me and he was a hairstylist. And this hairstylist owned a salon with a number of stylists underneath him. And he talked about how your day-to-day can become routine, where you just go through the motions every single day. And he referenced this one woman who came in and he said, he doesn't know why, but she sat in his chair for a haircut and he engaged with her. And they had an incredible conversation and he left fulfilled. She left um, very happy. And this woman came back a couple months later and thanked him. And she said, you know, I want you to know how important that conversation was for me because you changed my life. I had came in for my last haircut. She was going to end her life that day. And that day he realized the, the importance of just being present and engaged in the moment and the impact you can have on people's lives, because you don't know what people are going through in their personal lives. We don't know what customers are going through when they call in. All that we can do is be present in the moment and focus 100% on the individual we're talking to right now. And that can have a profound impact on them, on their day moving forward, and ourselves as human beings. And it sounds perhaps cheesy, but that's where the moment maker concept came from. It's, It's this whole concept of being engaged and personal and doing everything that we can to delight and make someone's day. And... I think that is one of the most important things that we can do as a human being is just be genuine, authentic, and present. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, what, Lori, I think you just perfectly defined living in the moment. Um, and that story, every time I hear it, I get just chills and emotional. And it's, it's a very, it really does help define what we try to do every day and and how we engage in the moment and we do live in the moment. And I think honestly, that is a perfect place to um, allow now for space to kind of reflect and, and think on that and, and take that really to heart. Um, So I know I don't have you for the rest of the afternoon though. I would love to, Uh, (laughs) but I do just want to close out with, um, What's one thing that you do in your personal or professional life or both that you really make sure to be living in the moment? Something that you consciously try to do day in and day out. (laughs) I'm just laughing because I think try is the operative word in that question. (laughs) Very, that's Um, fair. Um. That's a good question. Uh, Lori, I don't know. I don't know if I have something that's that I do every single day. Um. I think one thing that I try <laughs> to do every single day is I, I, I feel very blessed that I work with a group of individuals that 
are aligned. And I know that when we shifted from a call center to a brand experience center, we were very purposeful around defining what a moment maker is. And that is who we are at TLS. We are moment makers. And we changed the language and put language around everything, very purposeful language that reminds us every day of what we're here to do. And I try to be that moment maker inside these walls as well as out. And I try to live my life that way by just creating meaningful moments and just being present. And I think that when you surround yourself with like-minded people who are aligned, you can, you can accomplish anything. And I think that when you, you are comfortable with those that you're with, it's easy to empower everyone to perform. And this team is made up of so many incredible skill sets that are all very different and they're all experts in their own way. And they are empowered to perform because they are aligned on doing the right thing. And I think that is what's fundamental here and what brings me joy and gets me out of bed every morning. I think mine would be uh, far less inspirational, but but first, there are two, two things came to mind for me. One is that when my phone rings, I take a breath before I answer it. And that is something that I learned and taught at when I, at TLS in the early days is just mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't just reflexively pick it up, but center yourself, take a breath and then pick it up. Um, so that's a very specific thing that I do. And then the other thing is I, I really prepare. I prepare to be not, I don't prepare to be perfect. I prepare to be ready. Um, so that whatever happens, I really like improv and, and I studied it and whatever comes at me in the moment, I might need an extra few seconds to think about it, but I'm, I want to be mentally prepared for whatever comes at me. And there's nothing like being a moment maker, which we didn't call ourselves at the time, but I'm going to say that we were, but would it's something about that, um, that gives you amazing training to just be ready for whatever, because you don't know what's coming at you when you, when you click that button and that call comes (laughs) through your ear, you don't know what it's going to be. And so just being ready for whatever it is, um, preparation for me, whether it's five seconds or five hours, that's my key. It's amazing. It's preparing enough that you just, like you said, it's improv. You just know it so well that you can think on your feet and you can respond actively and and you're ready for whatever it is thrown at you. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, So this has been amazing and incredible. (laughs) So I just want to say a big thank you so much. Um, And I think that this is going to be an amazing thing to kick this off. Um, And I think that everyone listening is really going to get something just unique from it. Um, We've touched on so many different things that I think it can apply to any one of our listeners listening to it. So Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for making our moment um, and for living in the moment with us today. We really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for asking. Thank you, Alicia. How incredible was that? I hope you all enjoyed listening to that conversation. I have had the opportunity to listen to it a couple of times and each time I take something else away from it, I am just blown away to think about how TLS started and the foundation it was built on and see how we're still practicing that foundation today, 25 years later. 
I hope you have found items within this conversation to relate to and to maybe apply to how you live in the moment every day. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for an incredible kickoff. I'm so excited to embark on this adventure with you. You can download new episodes each Monday. And next week, we talk about the importance of listening to understand and how something so simple can make the world of a difference in someone's day. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Tell your friends, tell your family, and tell your friends' family. We'll see you next week. Sometimes you need someone there for support. Sometimes you need a little genuine.